Hey everybody, welcome back to the Less Doing Podcast, episode 217. I'm your co-host, Ari Mizell. And I'm your other co-host, Nick Sonnenberg. With today's interview, by the way, that was a very butterscotchy, good radio voice. Uh, I've been working on it. Yeah, very well done. That was like that was like late night spinning the stacks of wax kind of kind of voice. Well, I've been uh, using that app you suggested on the last episode. Which one was it? Omo? Yeah, Omo. So I'm Did you try on, it out? Yeah, I tried it out. I'm, I'm, I, it, it actually said I had a butterscotch voice. Oh yeah, really? <laughs> so uh, Omo is something we talked about on the last episode, everybody, and it's an app that is a, a basically a speech coach in your pocket. It'll tell you if you're using the word um or oh or like or weak language and your pace and everything. It's pretty cool if you don't have a, a Toastmasters nearby or you just want to get it in whenever you can. Which, by the way, brings up a point that I was thinking about this the other day. So any of you who have seen my picture know that I have a shaved head, and I have for quite a long time. And believe it or not, that's actually one of the things in my life that I've tried to make more efficient. It's a thing, because either I have to go to the barber and get it done, or my wife has cut my hair sometimes. It's just never a convenient thing. And with a shaved head, you kind of have to cut your hair like every few days. So I don't have a, a nice coiffed grooming situation like Nick does. Yeah, but on the flip side of it, you don't have to waste your time every day, you know, grooming right. it. Right. So I comb my hair with a towel. Like I, have to. <laughs> <laughs> I grew my hair. I comb my hair with a towel. So this is the interesting thing for me. In the end, the most efficient way for me to cut my hair is to do it myself. Hmm. And I was trying to think of this is that if there's other examples where sometimes doing it yourself is actually the most convenient, mostly because you can just sort of do it whenever you want. So with me, literally now, I just did it last night, it takes me about 10 minutes, I have the time to do it before I get in the shower, I do it, and I'm done, and, it, and it's fine, and I can just do it much more efficiently. So it got me thinking about certain situations where actually doing it yourself is more efficient, rather than me going to a place, of course I could hire, like, I think it was called Cut or something, where they, they'll come to your house and they'll they'll cut your hair. Is that that on-demand barber that we used Yes, that we used it for that retreat, I forgot what the name was. I think it was like Tony the Barber or something. But Well, that's expensive as well. It's expensive, but it's also you have to schedule a time. They have to show up and do it and, you know, whatever. So this way I can just sort of do it when I can. To me, like that Umo coach is the same kind of thing. You could go to a Toastmasters meeting that you schedule in advance or you could book a speaking coach or whatever, but this is something you can just take 10 minutes, five minutes and do it yourself whenever you have the time. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that's, you know, more efficient to do yourself. And that's what makes figuring out what to outsource such an art because, right. you know, by and large, most people think too much that they have to do everything themselves. But it's true that there is a lot of things that you should do yourself. It's just over 90% of things that you think that you should do yourself, you really should be outsourcing. But Just figuring out which the 90% is. Yeah. It, it, but it also is the thing that some people think that I just outsource everything at nauseum, and that's, that's not efficient. You know, so people have to realize that too. It's not like it can be, it can seem like fun and cool to outsource everything, but you really shouldn't outsource absolutely everything. No, I mean, like for instance, you pick your kids up from school yourself, or, like, right. you could outsource that and have absolutely. someone pick, pick it up. I mean, you'd be saving a lot of time, but that's something you enjoy doing and you right. want to do yourself. So, Right. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, that just got me thinking about that. So the interview today is the first interview that Nick and I did together, and it's with General Jeffrey Smith, two-star general who ran... Uh, up until I think this week actually ran Fort Bragg in North Carolina and just retired after a long military career, 20 years or so. And just a, just a really incredible guy, a really interesting conversation. And in the end of it, he is, in essence, is running a 98,000 employee company, basically. So just lots of different facets of what he's worked on. Yeah, I mean, the guy truly is a man in the sen every sense of the word man. I mean, just the way the guy walks is incredible. Like, yeah. <laughs> his posture, yeah. <laughs> the way he holds his hands, the way he shakes a hand. 
presents power. Yeah. So <laughs> it was it was a fun interview. Nick and I really enjoyed that. So before that, though, we've got some links to share with you. The first one is that Dropbox made a brand new announcement that they now have something they're going to call Project Infinite. And this is, a, honestly, it's quite of a subtle difference, and a lot of people won't necessarily get this without some explanation, but it's, it's a really good thing. So what Project Infinite does now is it allows you, well, so backing up. So if you use Dropbox on your computer, you have to sync folders to your computer. And when you sync it, it adds all of the information that's in those folders to your computer and it's synchronized. It's a definition of sync. If somebody shares a folder with you and they share like their videos from their vacation, it could be 40 gigs of data that is suddenly filling up your computer that you're not necessarily prepared for. Now I have the MacBook Air, which has a 60 gig hard drive, which is nothing. And I pretty much have like five gigs free at any time. I only sync one folder with my Dropbox. I have terabytes of data in my Dropbox, but only a small, small amount of it is synced to my Dropbox. Project Infinite now will allow you to see everything in Dropbox without syncing it to your computer. And you can open it, too. Wait, you can see it all from the browser? Or yeah, no, no, no. From on your computer. So you can actually open the folder, look at each file, go through the entire file structure of everything, but it's not being saved locally on your computer. It's so just if you make a change, what happens? It will, it will save it. You, you'll get that one file, you'll save it, uh, it'll make the change, it'll go back into Dropbox. Hmm. Formerly, though, you couldn't even see the information without syncing it. Right. I mean, I've had so many problems with the syncing. Because yeah. also the problem with this selective sync is, say, say you fill up your hard drive and then you unselect a folder, it's still saved somewhere on your right. computer. And I've had to go into the terminal and like do some Unix commands to like hard delete the, <laughs> the stuff. Yeah. Because even though it doesn't say that it's showing up, it's cached on your hard drive in a folder taking up memory, and it's really a pain in the ass. Exactly. So, and, well, and so the other problem with it before was that if you had a folder and then a subfolder and then another subfolder, like a, a second subfolder, you had the option with Dropbox of just having the second subfolder synced to your computer, mm -hmm. but then you have no context for it, right? So you don't even know, you don't know what folder it's a part of or what bigger tree it's a part of. So this is a really big move forward for them, honestly. And now, no matter how much data you have on your Dropbox or how much is saved with you, you can see it all as if it is files on your computer, but it won't take up any space. Huh, okay. Yeah, it's a really cool move. You want to talk about Exist? Yeah, was, I've been playing around with this new tool, Exist.io, and, and basically it aggregates all of the tracking devices. So you could say you have like a Fitbit and then you have a Bedit and whatever else. It's one place to track all of that data and aggregate all that data, and then you can enter in what your mood was, how you felt, et cetera, so you can see the correlations between you know, better sleep. If you sleep better, are you working out? Is it because you worked out more? And then what, how did that um, affect your mood? So that's a really cool tool if you're into self-tracking. I personally don't self-track. I tried a lot of them and it just you didn't have. work. I've tried it and I don't, for whatever reason, the sleeping ones, I, I was never able to gather any actionable, you know, if it tells me I only slept for two hours deep. You don't know why. Well, yeah, and it's like, it doesn't really, I, I never really changed any behavior due to it. And then the fitness tracking, like, I go and do boxing with you or CrossFit a few times, you know, four or five times a week, so I don't need to count my steps necessarily. So I just never got into it. But if you are into self-tracking, this is definitely worth checking out. Well, but you, you ordered the, uh, the boxing self-tracker, right? Oh, that one, it hasn't want, come yet, but I, I did buy this tracker that goes into a boxing glove and it can track, you know, how many punches you throw, how fast the punches and how powerful the punches are. I'm basically, though, just doing that to see how my boxing is improving, not necessarily to track calories or, you know, how, f how fit I am. So 
Well, it, you know, it goes to uh, the ten, like the ten thousand hour rule. You know about that, right? But, oh, to, to be an expert in something, you have yeah, to do which, 10, is, which is BS. I mean, yeah. basically, but to to say it that way, I mean, the the rule, the, the study itself is legit, but the the way that people have sort of glorified it is not. One of the big things that you have to do is deliberate practice. And one of the ways to do deliberate practice is really to measure something. So to me, the boxing thing is actually a really good one. So if you want to, if you say to yourself, like, I want to improve my punching speed by 10%, like, that's a really good thing to practice. And you can work on getting quicker, you know, or, or punching power even. So Yeah, I mean, for me, I know I'm getting better at boxing if I feel like I would get beat up on the street or not. So currently... Well, there's like an over-under there, right? And put it this way, I don't want to get into a fight on the street right now, so I just, I know I need to do more boxing. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> By the way, if you're out and about and you are interested in checking out the Less Doing Virtual Assistants, which is our group of the highest trained, most capable virtual assistants on the planet, if you text the word do less to 33733, we'll send you a coupon code so you can get your first month subscription free, which is $129 off. And you can go to lessdoing.com and sign up for the service with that coupon code and start outsourcing all sorts of stuff in your life. And the thing about our assistants is that not only can you outsource stuff to them, but they will actually help you make the processes more efficient. We will help you less doify the processes in your life. So again, text the word do less to 33733. The next link that I want to talk about is a new product from Microsoft called Microsoft Flow, which is really basically Microsoft version of IFTTT. So you can create automations between various web services. The reason that I find it interesting is that we were limited previously when we were working with companies who were on Outlook because we couldn't do a lot of the automations that we want to do with Outlook. And now Microsoft has changed that by offering their own version of IFTTT that does a lot of the same thing as IFTTT does, but now you can interact with all of the Microsoft products, so Outlook, Notes, all that stuff, and it's really good. So if you are a Microsoft-based company, a whole new world of automation has just been opened up to you. Very cool. That's Microsoft Flow. And then you got one more. Yeah, we've been playing around with a tool called Lead Dino, and more to come in the future, but so far from initially playing around with it, it's very cool. It's basically, if you have a company and you want to set up an affiliate referral system, like what we're doing with the virtual assistants, we have some referral systems in place, so if you refer someone, you get X dollars off, and the person you referred to, you referred gets X, Y dollars off. But we're using Chargeify, as, as you know, uh, for our billing, and they're limited to just one referral system. So if you want to have a referral system where, in general, it's, uh, it's X dollars off per month, but for certain people, you want to have a stronger partnership, and maybe you want to give them 50% of the monthly subscription for three months, six months, or for life, you can set up multiple referral systems in Lead Dino and link it with Chargeify to set up a stronger affiliate program. So that's what we've been looking into lately for Less Doing Virtual Assistants and so far really impressed with their platform. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thanks, Nick. And uh, thank you everybody for listening in and hope you have a really productive week. Thanks, guys. So now we're speaking with Major General Jeffrey Smith, who's Deputy Major Commander of the 18th Airborne Corps based out of Fort Bragg. So, General, thank you so much for your service and for taking the time to speak to me and Nick. Well, Ari and Nick, it's great to be with you, and it's great, great to talk to both of you again. Hope to see you in, uh, sometime in the future, back here at Fort Bragg or wherever paths may cross again. We hope to come back soon, too. That was an awesome experience in American Dream Year with you guys. Yeah, we really, it's, it's, it's so eye-opening every time. I, I've done, it was my second time, but each time seeing the way that you guys get things done and the, the way of life that, that you have that enables us to have the way of life that we have is, is uh, really incredible. So 
Again, thank you. And um, this is Nick's first co-interview with me, so you can go easy on him. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, the first thing is you've had a long, long military career. It's 45 years now, right? Oh, no, I'm not that old. 32 oh. years. 20, I'm sorry. I, yeah. I think it was getting your age right. No, but so. Yeah, I'm not quite 45 years old either, but uh, I'll take that age. <laughs> go, go easy on Ari. It's his first podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, it's the um, the stars make me nervous. So, uh, But so one of the things is that you, what a, a lot of people don't, probably don't realize is that your job in a lot of ways is almost like a mayor. I mean, you're basically running a city. The operations at Fort Bragg are hundreds of thousands of people living under your care, basically. Well, yeah, that's uh, that, that's a good depiction. I think uh, part of uh, part of what I do. I mean, you know, our military installations or military posts around the country are uh, are you know equivalent to a small or medium sized city. And of course, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, is the Army's largest military post and uh, is is uh, both economically and in terms of population, uh, you know, fifth, sixth largest city in the state of North Carolina. So. It is like uh, running a city. Of course, we have a lot of good people that help us do that. We have a garrison command, a colonel-level commander that that serves as our garrison commander. And in civilian lexicon, that would be like the city manager for a a, a major city. But yeah, it's uh, everything from infrastructure to policies and policing, other community service type activities. Uh, we we do all that here at Fort Bragg and you know, on all of our military installations. Do you have a typical day? Like, what does yeah, the that's... typical day look like for you? And, like, what's the breakdown overall between, like, military decisions versus, like, more mayor type of uh, decisions? Yeah, so it depends on what role you have. And, you know, for me, I'm the deputy commanding general of uh, the largest <clears throat> corps in our army. Uh, so we have the 98,000 soldiers assigned to 18th Airborne Corps. They span across 12 different states and about 25 different organizations. But at Fort Bragg specifically, we have roughly 54,000 active duty soldiers that live on Fort Bragg itself. And of course, many of those soldiers have families and we have a lot of Department of the Army civilians and contractors that work on the post uh, as well. So you're looking at a population of uh, anywhere from 80 to 90,000 employees every single day that come on and off our, our, our military installation to work. My duties, I'm kind of dual-hatted as the Deputy Commanding General for 18th Airborne Corps, but I'm also the Deputy Commanding General for Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And those those two areas or two components of my portfolio cause me to go in different directions on any given day. So I spend about 30% of my time working on uh, strategic level decisions and activities associated with running the installation. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we've we've got a very robust staff of civilians and military uh, people that do the day-to-day activities of this installation. But you can imagine that uh, a city of this size has a very large budget. Uh, with budgets, you have uh, priorities that have to be established and things that need to, to be accomplished. So uh, I, I chair a, a number of boards on any given week and month associated with resource management and then all the personnel action, the personnel decisions come up to my level in a, in, in a certain respect. But uh, my day is pretty busy. I mean, we, we structure it uh, based on what the priorities uh, are at the time. And, uh, for example, right now we are in the process of preparing our uh, military organization, our core headquarters, for a deployment overseas. And, uh, of course, when you are training 
in preparing to deploy overseas, uh, in this case, uh, into harm's way, uh, the priorities start shifting uh, and your level of effort of where you focus your energy starts shifting. So it's a constant uh, balancing act at my level and, uh, you know, levels, uh, you know, right below me to, to balance the needs of the community, much like a city mayor would do across all the functional areas that you would imagine inside of a city, whether it's healthcare. I mean, we have one of the largest army medical centers here at Fort Bragg as well. And, uh, with, uh, 11 different satellite locations that, uh, kind of spawn off in that medical center. So things like medical care, uh, things like traffic and infrastructure development, and then more strategic areas where we do capital investment in our facilities and our infrastructure. And those kind of decisions uh, require a lot of lead time to develop the right, uh, you know, the right resources to get it done and then the strategic planning to make it happen. So my, my day is pretty spread. 60-70% military type duties uh, associated with our military mission and then 30 to 35% just making the installation run day in and day out. Making sure there's no potholes. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's funny that you mentioned that because that is a big problem. And <laughs> sure. like any major city, I mean, you, we, we've got over 2,000 miles of road network on Fort Bragg alone. Wow. And, uh, you know, yeah, so our installation goes 40 miles by about uh, 20 miles. So it's it's not a small place. And uh, a lot of that area is training areas, but within those training areas where our military units train and operate, uh, there's a large road network, uh, you know, hard stand road network. And of course, inside the, the, the city area or the cantonment area of the installation, we have major suburban housing areas, if you will. Uh, we have over 6,000 individual dwellings for residential living on this installation. And that doesn't take into account all of the barracks uh, complexes that we have for single soldiers that live on the post. So it's, uh, uh, there's never a dull day here. And, and we always are probably one of our biggest, uh, customer complaints, if you will, is potholes in the road. And our poor, our poor garrison commander gets beat up every day and our director of public works gets beat up every day on things well, like that. But so this is the, and this is really interesting to me because you talk, I'm, I'm assuming that you're using like army engineers to fix potholes, right? Uh, when they're not building bridges, obviously, and things like that. Uh, not, no, actually, we don't. We don't use army engineers oh. uh, at all uh, for the most part. Now, we if if they can get training value out of it, we do. But we have a we have a mostly a civilian workforce in our oh. on, on the on the uh, the city management side. So we have a director of public works. They have engineers. They have uh, they have some limited uh, repair capability. But if it's a major construction project or major road project, we will contract that out just like a major city would. Uh, we'd bid it out and contractors would come on post and, uh, and repair it or fix it. Well, okay. And so the thing where I was going with that, I mean, that's still, that, that it still makes sense with what I'm about to ask is one of the things that you told us when we were there that, went, that just blew my mind was that you guys, you know, are, in a lot of ways, your installation is like the army's 911, right? And you guys can be wheels up in four hours if you have to, to have troops and, and, uh, you know, artillery, machinery, whatever, wherever it needs to go. Obviously, all that other stuff has to somehow take a back burner when that happens, right? So, is is there just like a category of things that just they stop doing when you, that happens? Uh, not really. We have it uh, functionally broken out. So, our military mission is different than our installation and services mission. 
for people that live and work here. So our military, uh, so the, the mission that you're referring to is the, uh, the Global Response Force mission that 18th Airborne Corps has been directed to be prepared to, to do on any given day. So we have organizations within 18th Airborne Corps at Fort Bragg that are trained and certified and prepared to literally deploy on moment's notice. Now we say moment's notice, very short timeline, two hours to be recalled from the time you get the phone call. And then within 18 hours of a phone call, wheels up in an airplane going global, somewhere globally, outside the continental United States. That's a high measure to have individuals and organizations on a readiness posture that enables us to be able to do that. And we have a, a, a rotational process where we cycle units through uh, the training, the readiness and certification to assume that role and that mission. Irrespective of our military mission, we have an organization here that maintains all of our infrastructure. And whether we're here or not, that's those same people do that. The leadership may change or may have to do it from abroad. And for example, if we deploy, I would like to deploy with our organization, but we have the technical means to, uh, uh, to reach back and manage uh, some of the, the, the larger decisions that, that would need to be taken. Uh, or we would leave lead, some leadership back here to do that. But our garrison command led by U.S. Army Colonel and a full staff that he has would would always be here and is not in the equation to deploy. They would they, their mission is to stay here and take care of the people and the the facilities that support all of what we do. It's it's really amazing how many moving parts you have. One thing that we're that we're doing with our private consulting is going to companies and and improving the basically re- re- reducing the gap from idea to execution and improving the way comp- organizations communicate and project manage. How are you with such a large, you're such a large organization. How do you manage your projects and communicate with everyone? Yeah. So I, I, I if, if I could, I would uh, just give a little bit of, of background in terms of Please. what I think you know, brings success to successful organizations. And, and, and one is, you know, the, the behavior of its people and for senior leaders in particular. And for me personally, how I have been able to, work my way through this over the last three decades is you have to have some principles by which you live and work by personally. And in the military, we advocate and we fashion ourselves, not that we're always good at this, but I think in principle, we, we pay a lot of attention to it. On an individual level, uh, we call it performance triad, where you've got to discipline your life in ways that enable you to be enduring over time uh, in stressful times and non-stressful times. So activity, nutrition, and sleep is kind of the, the triad that I'm referring to. And you've got you've to have a way about you that you have a good balance in that. Because if you don't have a good balance of it, when you're leading large organizations, especially in the complexity of those organizations, you've got to be at the peak of your performance in a very consistent and enduring way. So having uh, some personal attributes about you that balance those three components of what it takes to be a healthy, performing human being. Uh, there's some science to this, I think, and, and, and there's a lot of literature out there today that reflects that you've got to balance activity. When I say activity, I'm talking about physical fitness and things that keep you healthy. You've got to have the right nutritional value uh, because that fuels our energy and 
you can consume some nutrition that isn't good for you that could cause your performance to go down. Of course, uh, more recently, and there's a lot more literature coming out on this today, the impact of sleep on performance. And uh, we're, we're starting to, and it's of the three of the three stool leg or three legged stool there, sleep is probably the weakest that, that people in general have uh, that you have to deal with because uh, it, it's, uh, you know, people just like to work or they like to play. They don't really appreciate the value of sleep. But for, for large organizations and, and how do we manage it? I think you've got to, uh, in my mind, it all starts with vision. You know, the, the leader of the organization, the CEO or the president or the commanding general in, in my case or deputy commanding general, they have to set the vision of where the organization is going. And if you have a, a good solid vision and you get your employees to, to really believe in that vision, then I think uh, you know, what, what I'm getting at is the, the why we do things. I mean, why does the military exist, for example? Uh, why does company X or company Y exist? And uh, oftentimes what we see in organizations in the military where they're having some challenges is the leaders themselves have not been able to communicate in ways that people buy into what they're doing. And, uh, and, and that's in my mind, step one for a strategic leader. It's step one for, you know, for leaders of smaller organizations to, uh, to really spend some time and focus on this. Because I think, you know, as, as you've heard the old saying, you know, uh, if you don't know where you're going, any path will get you there is very, I think, an accurate statement. And a vision provides, you know, people at least the knowledge of where the company or their organization needs to go. And uh, with initiative and with empowerment from that point forward, the, the how and the what people do become uh, less challenging. Not that it's not going to be challenging, but uh, becomes less challenging if you know why you're doing something, if you have a good vision to drive you there. So I, I think that's uh, one of the key things that, that leaders have to focus on as they sort out taking an idea and then bringing that idea to fruition or uh, in, in terms of of how do you, how do you accomplish things? I personally, uh, have really bought in and think it's going to be a competitive advantage for the United States in the, in the next, uh, you know, it is now. And I think for the next, uh, 20, 30, 40 years will become our, probably our number one competitive advantage if we do it right. And that's this whole idea of entrepreneurship. Uh, and, and many people think entrepreneurship is all about individuals taking an idea. And developing that idea uh, into fruition to form a business or a startup, something like that. And that's clearly one component of being an entrepreneur. But I think within companies, individuals can have an entrepreneurial spirit that you apply the principles as well within a directorate or within a, you know, a, a functional department of a company and you get the same output, right? Uh, if, if you have that mindset and that, and that spirit about you. And, and one of the things that we are trying to do with our workforce is develop this idea of everybody working to improve your entrepreneurial spirit and your entrepreneurial uh, behavioral patterns. Uh, and that's, uh, that's something that, uh, uh, that is hard to do because not many people understand the whole concept of what entrepreneurship really means. And uh, I think that's important as we go forward. Yeah, basically being an entrepreneur, right? Like an entrepreneur within an organization. Yeah, exactly. But are, are you using any tools or like if you have an idea of something you want to implement, like what's your process? Do you have 
like a like a notebook that you're writing it down and then you have like a weekly meeting with someone or is there like some project management software that you guys are using or some proprietary we, software for within the government we take advantage of off the shelf technologies to the extent that we can because it's a lot cheaper for us to do that and quite frankly it's more innovative than some of the long lead time processes we have to go through to actually acquire a tool or a piece of equipment in the military. So there's some military items that we would go through a much longer lead time procurement process from a war fighting standpoint. But from a day-to-day uh, business operation standpoint, we rely on technology that's over-the-counter, off-the-shelf, just like uh, any private company would do. So any engineering software, any project management software that you could imagine that companies would use, those are the same types of software programs that, that we that we use as well. The other thing that I think that we're actually fairly good at is is planning, and so we we do take a look at uh, at uh, you know, detailed plans of where we want to go and, and and back off that with milestones and objectives and. Uh, measures of performance, measures of effectiveness, and then I'll and, and then put that against people and then hold them accountable to achieving it. So there's a very deliberate planning process that we go through in some areas, uh, and then other areas is pretty conventional of what you would expect in uh, in corporate America. The last question that I always like to ask in these interviews is, what are your top three pieces of advice for people to be more effective? And you can interpret that however you like. Yeah, one is I, I think that you've got to uh, focus on the most important things. So, uh, you know, a, a leader or a, a director, you know, you're going you're gonna to be exposed to 100 different things that you might want to get done in a day, uh, but you've got to focus on uh, what really matters. And, and sometimes people have a tendency to gravitate for what they're comfortable in doing and, and, and where they find pleasure, but that's oftentimes not necessarily what has to be done yeah, so I think identifying early the most important things to, to get accomplished and to do that. The second thing is to, to have some kind of routine about your life. You know, only you can take control of your life and making sure that, uh, as I said earlier, you, you have some kind of balance about you. Uh, you can drive yourself in the dirt and work 24 hours a day, but at the end of the day, you're not going to get any more hours to work. So how you manage that time is, in my mind, very important. People will tell you, in my own experience, is if you establish good routines and you do those routines routinely well and you focus on the right things, uh, then you typically can move mountains uh, with that with that concept. And then the, the third area, and I always say this at uh, any of my uh, – you know, my, my leadership talks with people is you got to have a balanced life. You got to do things and spend time with yourself that, 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 that takes you away from your work, uh, whether that's physical activity or spending time with your family, but you've got to have a way to recharge yourself so that you can uh, come back with new ideas and innovative ideas to, uh, to help advance the ball. Absolutely. Well, and, and could you share with me what, what's some of your ways of recharging? So there's a couple of ways I recharge. One is physical fitness. I, I've, I've always, Gotten a lot out of physical activity. It gets my blood flowing and enables me to think out of the box. It relieves stress, and a byproduct of all that is, uh, if you do it right, you become healthy and stay healthy, uh, which allows you to work harder and work more effective. Uh, another way uh, is uh, I like to drive cars, so I have a fast sports car, and uh, not to say that I get out and break the speed limits, but I do get it out on a weekend. <laughs> 2,000 yeah, 2, 2, miles a run. 
Yeah, that's right. Well, I, I take it off the post because you get fly around on. Carolina really quick, <laughs> burn off some steam. But uh, yeah, I have a nice sports car, and I like to get that out and uh, and drive that uh, by myself with the radio turned up, and and that just disconnects me from the day to day you know routine. That again allows me to come back refreshed to 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 do my job. Well, that's that's really great. Well, uh, so General, we're out of time here, but thank you so much. It's, it's really it's it's always a pleasure to speak to you, and I, I really hope that we get to meet with you again in person at some point uh, on on your turf. Okay, all right, Nick. Well, thanks a lot. I look forward to seeing you guys and talking to you again soon. Thanks again. Take care, General. Okay, take care.